It is not by accident tonight that we turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 3. I did not know the song that was going to be sung. I did not know that my granddaughter was going to sing it. And so now we turn to part of the scripture where this song came from. In John chapter number 3. Verse 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the Word of God. I thank you, dear Father, for the blessings of God, your goodness, your mercy, your grace, that you have shown to us. You've been so very good, and yet you've been better than good. Oh, how I appreciate this church, appreciate this ministry. How I appreciate, Father, the outreach in this community. And how I pray, dear Father, that you would continue to bless and multiply their number of like-minded, like-hearted folks who love the Lord Jesus and want to see a world come to know Christ. I pray, dear Father, that you might bless now thy word and bless thy servant, that we might be able to rightly divide thy word, put thy thoughts in my mind, in my tongue, use my body as an instrument of God, I pray, for Jesus' sake. And we'll be careful to give you praise, honor, and glory for what you accomplish in Christ's name. Amen. God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. There never has been a time when Jesus did not exist. He always has been. And he always will be. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem all of us who were under the law, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The only hope that any of us ever had was in God. It is not in works. It is not in deeds. It is not in what we can do. It is not about the attributes of our lives. It's all about him. We couldn't get good enough. We couldn't do enough to inherit the kingdom of God. The only way that sin could be done away with and we could be redeemed and brought back into favor with God and put into his family is that God had to pay the sacrifice for our sins himself. Right. 
And so he wrapped his son in flesh and sent him among us that he might be the final sacrifice for all sin, that no matter who we are, where we came from, what our past has been, that we can be saved by the grace of God, born again, born from above, and inherit the kingdom of God, become a part of it. That's the only plan God has for the redemption of mankind. That's the only one God ever will have. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so the love of God sent Jesus into this world that he might love us to him by the sacrifice of himself. We must be born again. That is coming to the end of ourselves, realizing we can't do a thing about our sin problem, humbling ourselves before him, repenting of our sin, calling upon his name and receiving the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. It's a work of God. It is not our works. From what we read in these verses that I've read in your hearing, from what we uh, know God was speaking to our hearts about, it appears to me that we might all agree to the fact that things of God are personal with him. And the things in our lives that ought to be personal to us and to him have been taken care of by the opportunity and the forbearance of God to save even to the uttermost. All who will come unto God by him. I want to give you for a little while tonight just a, little, a few of the things that very simple thoughts that God gave me about things that are personal to him. Well, number one, it would have to be that salvation is personal. Salvation is a very personal thing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is of the Lord. It belongs to him. He bought it. He purchased it by the sacrifice of himself. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he said that if thou, talking about you, talking about me, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I don't know about you, but that's good enough for me. For the with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 11 through 13, the Bible said, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever, I love that word right there, that's where I got in. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In John, the gospel of John chapter number one, we find these words in verse 11. He came unto his own. That is the truth. He came unto his chosen people, Israel. He came uh, among the Hebrew people. He chose them as his group to, to come into to bear his name, to bear his standards, to bear his laws, to bear his way of doing things. He chose them. They did not choose him. May I go on record to tell you he chose you. 
<laughs> you and I can have church where anybody else wants to or not. God chose you as a candidate for salvation. Not one is excluded. Thank God. Whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. Whosoever will can be born from above. Whosoever will. It's not the few over here and a few over there. It's not a, this group here or that group there. It's not this click here or that click there. God said, I have chosen you. I have chosen to provide a way that even you might be saved by the grace of God, might be born again, born from above. His truth is he came unto his own. And his own received him not. What a tragedy that is. The truth turned to tragedy when his own turned him away and would not receive him and would not believe upon him, preferred their own, their own will, their own way, their own thoughts, their own actions. What a tragedy it is today for anybody to turn away the Lord Jesus Christ to try to make heaven on their own. What a tragedy it is today to try something else that the Bible says is not going to work. What a tragedy it is when somebody would say, I'll get right with God someday. And that someday has no promise of ever occurring. Truth, tragedy. But then the third part of that says, but. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There is still triumph. There is truth. There is tragedy. But there is triumph in the fact that God said, I choose you. If you'll come, if you'll believe, if you'll receive, you can be born again, born from above, and inherit everlasting life. There is still victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. To all who would be born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Nicodemus was a highly educated man. He understood that there was something different about the Lord Jesus Christ. He had seen all the miracles and heard of all the things that he had done. And he had enough sense to know that that didn't happen by accident. But God had sent his only begotten son to prove to the world of his grace and of his mercy. John said, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Nicodemus a Pharisee, going by the Levitical law, going by the statutes that he'd always been taught, did not understand, did not comprehend. Jesus said, you must be born again. I don't understand. How can a man be born when he is old? How can this take place? He said, by the Spirit of God. By the Holy Ghost doing a work in your heart and your life. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by his mercy he has saved us. By his power, by the act of a holy God doing something nobody else can do for us. Salvation is a very personal matter with the Lord. 
It took his own precious, perfect, spotless blood, his very life to purchase salvation. He is the final sacrifice for all sin. He is the only one who can bring us into a knowledge of the holy things of God. Jesus is the only Savior. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But it's long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is willing to cleanse. He's willing to save. He's willing to receive all who will come unto him by faith, repenting and believing. He came to seek and to save that which was lost one at a time, personally. Salvation is very personal to the Lord. Of all the things that have ever been done, the sacrifice that was made on Calvary was the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind. Of all the attributes and all the accolades that could ever be laid on anybody, death of the Son of God on Calvary was the greatest attribute that any has ever received. Not only is salvation personal, but our service is personal. In Acts chapter 27, we find the event of when the Apostle Paul was on board ship with a whole crowd of folks and they came into a storm, one unlike anybody has ever seen before. And it was sure to cause them shipwreck. It was sure to cause them destruction. But Paul had some very valuable information concerning the storm that they all were in and how it was going to work out for himself and how it was going to work out for all others on board. When Acts 27, 21, he said, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, I told you so. You should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. But now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. Why? What word have you had? How do you know? He said, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be a good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Paul said, I know him. I know he can't lie. He promised me, and that's where it's going to be. Amen. Amen. Did you know if God's Word said it, that settles it? Amen. Paul did not doubt his Lord. He did not doubt his service to God. He spouted about his Lord. He declared that God said it, that settled it, where anybody else believed it or not. He declared that his Lord was able, exceeding, abundantly able, that he can and will get the job done. Titus chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, Who? Gave himself for us, that is Jesus, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a, pe a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as you much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
It's not about what you do. It's about what he does through you. The record is being kept in heaven. It's a personal matter to the Lord. We can do nothing without him. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Again, in Galatians 2 and 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, yet not I. And nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, my service is unto God. It's personal with him. He called me. He has chosen me. He has placed upon me the opportunity and the privilege of bragging on his name. He has promised he'll take care of me. He has promised it's going to be worth it all one day. <laughs> oh, it will be worth it. Worth everything. Yes, it will be worth it. To hear heaven's choir sing, and I'll meet my loved ones up there, and never no pain nor care, and it will be worth it. Oh, yes, just to see my Lord. <laughs> Paul said it will be worth it one day after a while. My service is personal to God. He's counting on me to be faithful. He's counting on me to be surrendered. He's counting on me to do what he'd have me to do. He's counting on me to carry through with what he's laid in my heart and my life to do. Preacher mentioned I traveled 41 years with a quartet. That's going to be about that long in eternity. Amen. Amen. Of all the miles and all the trials and all. You can sit there if you want to. I can have a spell with myself. <laughs> of all the miles and all the trials and all the things that have come along, it'll be worth it just to see his face. Our service is personal to the Lord. And number three, some of you are not going to like this, but I got to say it anyway. Our separation is personal to the Lord. Our separation is personal to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, because I come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean, and I will receive you, and I'll be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God's counting on us to be a vessel unto honor unto his name. Our separation unto God. Our separation is unto God and not unto ourselves. Our separation is in holiness, in righteousness, and in fear of disappointing a holy God. Amen. Now, I know we're living in 2017. 
I know what year it is, and I know how standards and ways of society have changed and how a whole lot of people who are not my age, but whatever. You know, with me right now, everything seemingly is a long time ago. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I realize things have changed in our society, but God hasn't. His word has not changed. His attributes, his glory has not changed. God still demands holiness to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah. He said, because I am holy, be ye therefore holy. We got to follow his example. Our separation is from the worldly, from the ungodly, from the things that dampen our spirit, from the things that take us away, from the things that cause us to be carnal and ungodly, to be separated from those things unto God that our lives might be what he would have them be. Our Lord wants and deserves clean vessels that will honor his name. Vessels that won't blend in, but will stand out for the cause of Christ. Our job is to live for Jesus 24 hours a day. Separate yourselves unto God that he might sanctify you unto good works. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Amen. Salvation is of the Lord. Separation is my dedication to Him. Separating myself for His glory. Living in such a way as others can see, He's made a difference in me. Separation is personal to God. Number four, our standing is personal to God. Finally, my brethren, don't get excited, I'm not done yet. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. When those Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were brought in for doing right, They didn't have to have a committee meeting about it. It seemed like in our Baptist churches, we've got committees that bring up committees. Amen. So why are you picking on Baptists? Because I are one. I've been a Baptist since nine months before I was born. 
But in our Baptist churches, we have so many committees on committees that it's hard to get anything done. By the way, anybody here know what a camel is? Yeah, a camel is a horse that a committee put together. Amen. It has bumps and humps in the wrong places. Somebody else had a better idea. Seemed like today in society we've got a better idea than God had. We try to think of ourselves as being smarter than that, being more equipped than that, being better than that that God has already set forth. You can't improve on what God's already done. Those Hebrew boys were brought in for doing right. They realized that their God was the only God. Yet King Nebuchadnezzar had set up one down in the plain. When he set it up down there, he said, I'm going to get all these fellows together and I'm going to bring all my cabinet in. We're all going to dress alike. We're all going to act alike. We're all going to drink alike. We're all going to dance alike. And we're all going to bow down and worship when the Babylonian beast boys begin to play. They said, no, we're not. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to pray about it. It's already decided. Our God is God. We're not going to go with that. Our separation is personal to God. Our standing is personal to God. Nebuchadnezzar got mad. He said, no. He said, now, if you'll go along with the rest of them, if you'll bend, if you'll put things in the past, if you won't be so much trouble... Then we'll forget about it and go on. But if you do, like you say, then I'm going to heat up this furnace and throw you in. They said, King, we don't mean any disrespect to you. We don't, we're not trying to be a, a problem, but it's already decided. Our God is able to deliver us out of your hand, and he will deliver us. But we're not going to bend. We're not going to bow. We may have to burn, but that's all right if we do because God's in charge. He threw him in, and a little while later, he looked in and said, I remember Shadrach, I remember Meshach, I remember Abednego, but there's four in there. He called him the fourth man. He was the first man in because if he hadn't already been in there when they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there, their goose would have been cooked. But he was already in the furnace taking care of what was going inside, on inside there so that the ones outside had recognized the fact it was better to be in the fire with God than it was to be outside without him. Yeah. Our God is able to deliver us. But whether he does or not, he's still in charge. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. What does that mean? 
sell out to Jesus. A bond slave to Christ. Love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Stand in faith, in faithfulness, and in fellowship with Him. Why? Because it's personal to Him. Our standing is personal with God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I like it when he talks to me that way. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One of these days, the Word of God is going to judge our deeds. Amen. We are going to be judged according to the Word of God. You're saved by the grace of God. All your sins are going to be gone. You won't have to give an account for your sins. But you will have to give an account of the deeds that have been done in your body since the day he saved you. And we will be judged according to the word of God. Amen. Our deeds, our works. By his word. Because it's personal with God. And number five, and I'm closing here. Scriptural reception is personal with God. Scriptural reception is personal with God. What do you mean? By how you receive and believe the Word of God. If you won't believe this book, there's no way you can come to know the author. Amen. Amen. He that would come unto God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. Yeah. What that means is take the word of God to heart. Believe it and receive it. Cherish it. Eat it. Make it more personal to you. Make it more powerful in your life than any other tool God has. It's more necessary, the psalmist said, than our daily food. It's more necessary than anything else in life. Scriptural reception of the Word of God. If you won't believe the Word of God, there's no way you can be saved. If you won't believe the Word of God, there's no way you can serve Him. If you won't believe the Word of God, there's no way you can be separated from the world unto God. If you won't believe the Word of God, then there's no use in you being in church. No use in you trying to congregate with those that do believe if you do not believe the Word of God. Amen. Without believing and receiving the Word into your being, none of the things that I've mentioned are possible to you. The book of Romans says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 11 First verse says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. What's that mean? Blind belief. 
We can't see it, but we know it took place. Amen. The old preacher said, standing on nothing, God reached out where there was nothing, caught something when there was nothing there to catch, took that something, hung it on nothing, and said, stay there. How do we know that's true? Because God said so. Because God said so. The Bible tells us, and we shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Scriptural reception, believing what God has said, sets you apart from the world, sanctifies you wholly, makes you to be a vessel worthy to be used of God, makes you to be an example that others can tell. You know him, and he knows you. I wonder tonight, how are you doing with all these things that are so personal to the Lord? Are you truly saved? Do you know that you know that you know that you are a born-again believer? Are you serving the Lord Jesus Christ, separated unto his glory? Or are you serving yourself? Are you separated from carnal worldliness unto holiness and godliness? Are you living in the freedom of faith and faithfulness because of the engrafted Word of God? Or are you struggling along, wondering if it's true? These things are personal with the Lord because He wants you to know Him in His fullness. I give you this, and I'm done. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible said that He would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which path is knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen.